Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make Yeah, that's, uh, that's Matthew's Blues right there, uh, a song I wrote in 1970, and, and uh, that's about where we're going to start tonight okay. with, our, with our guest who is on the line, and I'll bring him on in just a minute, but first I want to welcome Gunnar uh, Simonson from Portland. Gunnar, you've been traveling a lot lately, is that right? I absolutely have been, I'm, and, and I'm... Uh, Tuning in tonight from the rainy Portland, Oregon. It's been like Southern California here this last summer. Now we're getting a bunch of rain. So no kidding. Uh, it's uh, we're getting a downpour. It's probably a good thing with the drought. And wow. Such, but, but yeah, I've been traveling. Been in Colorado and Nashville, and and uh, been missing out on some of the uh, great conversations you've been having here recently. Yeah. Well. Um... First thing, send some of that rain down here because we really okay. need it. We're in the you got it. And got secondly, it. give us give us just one picture, uh, something from from your trip, uh, your travels. Um, Absolutely. Well, uh, I yeah. will say in in about uh, five seconds or less, I will tell you that new U2 record uh, makes traveling a lot of fun. There's some great songs on it, and it just every time I'm on my final approach, it seems to, it seems to be this one song that comes on. But you know, check that <laughs> out. But uh, you know, I had a couple. I had some really great trips. Real quickly, when I was in Colorado, I was at an event called the Starfish Expo, and it had about seventy people from around the world that are just getting stuff done and uh, people that are helping do business development and helping people launch businesses throughout Africa. There was people that were there that were um, amidst the Ebola outbreak, which is just uh, absolutely tragic. Um, We had a great time just really just kind of praying over them and just really believing with them on, on just uh, getting a cure for this and stopping it in its tracks. We had people from the Middle East um, people in the, the North Korea, South Korea. I mean, it was um, it was an amazing, uh, amazing event that uh, brought people together to talk about rethinking sustainability and uh, really making uh, a difference in people's lives. And so um, it was a lot of fun, an honor to be a part of it. That's great. That's great. And uh, uh, that that is so important in terms of our work around the world, uh, getting people to be able to take care of themselves. And yeah. uh, that, that's, a, that's a great work. Um, well, yeah, some would say, you know, that the best charity is a, is a new, is a new opportunity. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and just that whole concept of, you know, not just giving them a fish, but, you know, teaching them how to fish, mm-hmm. you know? And, right. And uh, there was some just wonderful conversations of people not talking theory, but people that are actually talking action, you know? And so, I, I, I'm pumped up about what's happening, where we're That's going. Great. That's going to play into what your conversation tonight, I think. We've been, uh, I think yes. we've got such an amazing guest that I think it's going to play out well. Yeah, I'm very, very, very excited about our our guest. He's had a long and uh, illustrious career and uh, and still going strong. 
you go to his website, you can see that uh, Marty Marty uh, uh, upgraded me today uh, on the fact that uh, uh, Leighton beat beat my website hands down, and uh, he he's just got, <laughs> he's doing some great great things. But uh, you know, Leighton has uh, he's been with the Billy Graham Association in the first part of his career. He was uh, an evangelist himself. And that's when I met him. Um, and then he has gone on to be uh, to head the uh, Lausanne World Congress on Evangelism. And uh, he's the uh, uh, continual, uh, he's involved in that continually now. So he's got a real finger on, on global uh, Christianity, basically. And especially focusing then in the last part of his life now on leadership. And uh, he has a heart to mentor leaders, and we want to really hear, we want to hear about that too, and especially want to hear uh, uh, later on in our talk about that walking and talking uh, with people, um, and uh, how that helps us disciple folks and be discipled ourselves. So, gosh, uh, um, it's just a great privilege to uh, welcome you, uh, Leighton. Ford on our Blog Talk Radio show. Welcome, Layton. Thank you, John. I've got a greeting for you. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Love him in the morning when you see the sun arising. <laughs> Love him in the evening because he took you through the day. How about that? That's a John about, Fisher so- song, vintage, about 19, what? Oh, 70, 69, <laughs> 70. And in the in-between yeah. times when you feel the pressure's coming. Remember that, yeah. John? Oh, I, I bet you, have I, anybody sing to you recently on the, your show? Uh, actually, Layton, <laughs> you may be a first. <laughs> I sang to my brother-in-law Billy about three weeks ago, John. John, and uh, glad oh. to, I'll, I'll have to tell you about that. And I'm glad to meet uh, Gunner. Don't think we've met before, yeah. Gunner. So, but anyway, Jeannie and I went up to see her brother Billy, who is who'll be 96 in November, and his hearing is not very very good now, and he, he my mm-hmm. voice is low, so he doesn't hear it very well. So, I said, Billy, I'm going to sing to you. So I sang some of his old crusade songs, like "God to God be the glory" and "Blessed Assurance" and "Just as I Am," and he said, "Sing some more." So he sang some more. <laughs> it was interesting, and then we sang this little light of mine. And one of his nurses was there. She said, get him to sing this little, little light of mine, because in his crusades, uh, he and his musicians used to have a trio. They sang one time, because Billy cannot sing. He has no melody. And okay. uh, But he sang one word. Remember that little, this little light of mine? Hide it under a yep. bushel? No. So no. I said, Billy, I'm going to sing that. And I sang it for him and stopped it. He said, no, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. Well, so is he? How is he doing? I mean, uh, he's he's old. His his sight yeah, is not sure. good. His hearing is not good. But he has some people taking care of him, and he can sit up and he can eat some. And uh, his not his responses are are slow, but they're but he mm-hmm. he, takes, he takes in what's said and thinks about it, and then gives gives a little response. Wow! Wow! Well, what a what a what a great man! So how about and, you? You're uh, you're not quite up to him yet, are you? Oh, at geez. age, John. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got it. In fact, I still got the those pressures. Uh, in, in fact, I have more in between times than I ever used to have. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. Well, I'm remember, thinking remember, about. Remember when we first were we were first together? I'm trying to remember where it was in uh, the I, very I, first yeah. time you came to one of our uh, outreach events. Maybe well, up in maybe up in Canada. Oh, jeez. You know, see, the ones I miss, uh, the, I remember the most were were three that I took my uh, my little car. I had my little Fiat, and I drove. I don't know whether you remember that, but I drove to all three of them. It was Jackson, Jackson, uh, Mississippi, I think, and Springfield, Illinois, and I forget the other one. Um, but uh, but actually, yeah. I, I know we did some before that. I think Philadelphia. You, mean, you yeah. mentioned that. Well, you, I you remember. mentioned a, a, a near riot. Well, I do. I, I do. We, we were in northeast Philadelphia, at the, it was, and it was the churches of that area were having this outreach, and we were in the Roosevelt High School gym. And we had a Saturday youth night just packed to the rafters with kids. And uh, but they were a rowdy crowd, and there was and uh, it got more and more rowdy as the meeting went on that night. And I remember the guy who was in charge, Larry, came over to me and said, "Leighton, he said we're supposed to keep going with all these things and have an offering. Skip it, or else we're going to have a riot. Get John to get up and sing." So you got up and sang. We never we, we never took an offering that night, which was okay. We didn't need to. But you sang and that quieted them down. Then I spoke, so I remember that wow. vividly. And I oh, remember, wow. and I, John, uh, you mentioned Springfield, Illinois. We were there together. Yeah. And uh-huh. a few months ago, I got an email out of the blue from a guy I hadn't heard of him before since, and he said there was a there was, you had a coffee thing after the evening meetings, and someone named John Fisher sang there, and he said my girlfriend brought me there, and he said that's where I gave my life to Christ. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so no that's, kidding. Forty years ago, that and, came out of the and blue. You just, and you just heard about that? Well, a few months ago. Wow, that is just amazing. That's amazing. Well, for for those of for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, uh, Leighton has been with the Billy Graham Association from the beginning. He's a, a Billy Graham's uh, a brother-in-law and uh, a fellow evangelist. And uh, Leighton would do crusades. And pretty much modeled after the the the, the Billy Graham Crusades, weren't they? Yes, they, they were. Pretty much. And you had you had your you had your choir director and I remember uh, piano uh, Innes John Innes, is that right? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, great guys. And and, jo- uh, and and George Beverly Shea, who was Billy's singer, came to Springfield one night when we were there, and they uh, I, I remember this. They advertised Leighton Ford will be speaking, and George Beverly Shea will be singing. <laughs> they left the G, they left the G out of the ad and had he'll be sinning. Oh boy, I bet you got a whole book of of those. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and so uh, I I don't even know. I got I don't know how you even heard about me, Layton. I bet you don't even remember. I well it, sure I well I don't know who first uh, I remember have you Somebody, seen Jesus my Lord yeah, there you He's go. here in white broad view I heard that song yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and that that song okay. was just so widely known at that time so I heard the song and then I met the singer and Leighton invited me to come to a number of his crusades and what we did was uh, because uh, they were sponsored by in part by the Billy Graham Association I I think. The, the name helped us get access into a, a lot of the schools. And uh, so I was able to do uh, assemblies in the public schools, a lot of the high schools and junior high schools. And I would do that. I, I, I wasn't allowed to preach the gospel, but as I wrote in my catch today, 
I, uh, I, I lined up a, a lot of songs and, and, and that spoke for themselves and, and things like uh, I Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith. And then I remember following that up with uh, Arlo Guthrie's uh, Come On, People, All Come Home, Jesus Going to Make You Well. And, of course, this was 1970. There were songs about Jesus all over the radio. You didn't have to sing Christian songs. You just sang popular songs because Jesus was uh, was being talked about. And yep. uh, that's what made those exciting, exciting days. You remember that? I do. And I remember, John, uh, one of the things that is most vivid, you and I and uh, Tom Skinner, who is an African-American oh, yeah. actor, went to the University of Virginia for a week. And we went to uh, Cabell Hall, which was the main building there, where they'd never had anything like this before. And uh, it kind of blew the minds of the students at UVA. It was called Jesus Christ 73 or something like that. And and there was uh, there were you, the kind of long-haired hippie kind of singer, <laughs> and the pretty radical street evangelist. And I was the wasp in the middle. And we came, you know, three different faces, three different appearances, three different cultures talking about the same Jesus. And it really mm. blew the minds of a lot of those students, their stereotypes of, you know, how long a Christian's hair should be or what color her skin should be. Yeah. I remember I remember the last night a guy sat sat down the front till the very end. He came up and he said, I was one of those who wrote ahead of time that this is a terrible thing. He said, I gave my life to Christ tonight. So I remember wow. very vividly that, that mm. week there. You know, uh, Layden, just uh, I thought you were always so good in that role. And... um I remember being at, often at university campuses, but where there were non-Christians and they had lots of questions and and some anger and uh, you know all kinds of emotion going on. I just thought you you were just so gracious and uh, patient and and yet articulate and were able to give tremendous thought-provoking answers that didn't didn't make people feel dumb. But uh, kept them, you know, kept them on their toes and kept them thinking. And uh, I just thought that was that was so good the way you handled that. Well, maybe that's because I had a lot of the same questions I'd had to face myself. I studied philosophy in college, and I knew Mm. those questions. I didn't have all the answers, but I didn't. I was able, I think, to speak to them out of my own heart. Uh, If I could just tell you one story that that brings, you know, uh, Jesus Mm -hmm. says was full of grace and truth. And that's how he wants us as his disciples to live by the truth, speak the truth, but do it with grace. And I remember going to a university in New Zealand, uh, Wellington University, and when I got there, they had big signs all over the campus saying Leighton Ford is anti-gay, anti-woman, anti-intellectual, and he shouldn't be allowed to be at this university. And wow. uh, I, I walked up there, one of these girls holding this sign, and I said, I'm Leighton Ford. Have you ever met me? No. Have you ever heard me? No. Have you ever read anything I said? No. And, uh, and yet she had this stereotype of things that I just was not. And I stood up to speak, and they actually they had a, these uh, loudspeakers right in front of me, these megaphones yelling at me, and people were throwing, actually, tomatoes. I kept hoping <laughs> Billy would appear or, or you know, suddenly <laughs> materialize and speak. But um, I, I didn't I – didn't, I thought, well, what do I do? As a big crowd outside, hundreds had come because of all the, the upset there was. So I told them the yeah. story of our son, Sandy, who was a university student, 21, loved Christ, lots of questions, but loved Jesus, who had died during surgery. And um, anyway, the, they quieted down, and 
two nights later at one of the big rallies, the student body president of one of the big schools there was present, and his headmaster saw him and said, hey, did, what are you doing here? You're not a Christian, are you? He said, no, sir, but he said, I, went, I was at the university the other day. He said, I saw the, the, those Christians there, and there was a lot of pressure, but the grace I saw under pressure made me wonder, what is it that, that they have that can, they can be like them? So uh, it was that wow. was one of those occasions that was very special. The next next year, Tony Campola went out to speak, and he's one of the sociology classes there, and found out the the Christians and the the, the gay groups had become friends and gotten to know each other over the last year. So there was a pervasive sense of listening to one another that came through that. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. Just that whole sense of being able to stand in other people's shoes and and listen and care about them, and uh, we, that's the way we break these stereotypes. Uh, that's that's isn't that you said one of your great values on the catch the the welcoming yes. spirit of uh, the welcoming right. spirit and attitude we should have. Absolutely, yes. In fact, we we call it the gospel of welcome, and uh, I just I, I love that because uh, uh, you know as Jesus says we are we are ambassadors of reconciliation. And and the, we're announcing the fact that that God is not counting people's sins against them any longer. And lo- what what good news is that? <laughs> yeah, I love. There's a translation of that in in uh, one of the modern translations. That same passage just just quoted that says God has changed us from enemies into friends and given us the task of making others His friends also. So may, that's wow. what I think evangelism is. It's making friends for God. Wow, it is that welcome. You know, that's my, uh, I uh, one of the things that I've started since I, you and I were together last, John, is is painting. I do a lot of painting these days, watercolors and pastels. Wonderful. And one of my one of those I did this year, I call Billy's Gate. It's up at the, his log house up at the top of a mountain near Asheville, mm. North Carolina, and it opens up to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And there's this old gate was standing open, halfway open. And I did. I took a picture of it, and then I painted it because you, as you look through this open gate across the fields off to the mountains, I thought, well, Billy's wife Ruth has gone through that gate to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Billy's going to go through that gate before long to the Lord, and he's opened that gate for so many people to say, welcome, welcome, God, Jesus Christ wants to welcome you. God wants to welcome you into his presence. So that, that gate to me speaks of that, what you're trying to, to do with a welcoming mm-hmm. spirit. Like a, Ch- a Chinese graduate student um, several years ago, a woman from uh, Fudan University in Beijing, I was talking to her. She sh- said, you know, when Billy Graham came to China, he came not with a closed fist, but with an open hand. Mm. But that was what a mm. powerful image, not with a closed fist, but with an really? open hand. That that represents our Lord, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Leighton, you're just, you're just letting me know how much I miss you. <laughs> it's just so good to hear you and uh, and just hear your spirit again. Uh, you know the gate. I, I one of my favorite uh, passages um, that, that that I've missed for years is where Jesus calls Himself the gate. Remember, He says, "I'm the gate," and um, and and people will come and find pasture. Sheep will come in and in and out through that gate and find pasture and. And, you know, I think that what I what I love about that is that says that on both sides of the gate, in 
in in the fellowship. We could think of whatever he's talking about could be in in heaven, but on this side of heaven, we find pasture too, and and out in the world, out in the world as as Christians, we find pasture. We we find things that will nourish us. We we find that God is here, and it's not just that He's over there where all the Christians are, but yeah. He's He's everywhere, and uh, uh, we boy, we just need to open our eyes and and discover where He's He's at that we don't even know yet. <laughs> I have a I have a friend, very good friend. Uh, you may have met him, Steve Hayner, um, who is president of the seminary where I graduated. And Steve has uh, pancreatic cancer that's gone to his his uh, liver, and he knows he probably doesn't have long here mm-hmm. now. But he wrote the most beautiful thing the other day on his carrying bridge about eternal life, and it's mm-hmm. from that same passage you're quoting about mm-hmm. I give to my sheep eternal life. No one will pluck them out of my hand. They will find that they will go. People will. My sheep will go in that gate, and Jesus is the gate. He is the mm-hmm. gate, the open gate. And he said, "I give them life in all its fullness." Steve was saying, "It's not eternal life. Isn't something that happens after we die. It's something we. It's a relationship that we have now, knowing God through Jesus mm. Christ that goes on forever. Mm. It's flourishing. Fantastic. It's one of the." Yeah. One of the great minds of our day, uh, Miroslav Wolf, was saying, I think we need, people need to understand that God's all about our flourishing. Christ is about our mm. flourishing and fullness of life. I think, Leighton, we just need to have you, uh, you know, just teach us uh, about evangelism. That's, I, you know, that's that's really been your theme, hasn't it? Um, it has. Pretty much. Ever, ever really, it's, and for me, it started out, John, when I grew up in, as you know, in Canada, and uh my my little I'm adopted. My little adopted mother taught me about the Bible. Taught me about Jesus, even though she was a very troubled person. Yeah. And uh, when I was about 14, she just disappeared for months. I didn't know for a long time where she'd been. And that summer, I went to a, a youth camp. And uh, what I found there, uh, the the speaker talked about how he prayed by walking up and down outside, taking one of the Psalms and the Bible, the great poetry and turning those words into a prayer. And I did that. I remember going up in my Bible and going out in the woods and hoping nobody would see me out there. I was watching. I'd walk up and down, and I'd read from one of the Psalms, maybe like David, and then I'd turn that into a prayer. And I realized God cared for me as a lonely 14-year-old. His mother had just been gone for so long. Our marriage wasn't Hmm. a happy one. And it was out of that that we began to have, in our hometown in Canada, a series of events for uh, our friends, young people in that area, uh, about that, about that relationship with Jesus. So that's how it started hmm. for me. It's through that wow. that I met my brother-in-law. He he came to one of our first rallies, and he was mm-hmm. such a powerful speaker. But that night, nobody responded except there was one young girl. And afterwards, hmm. he came and put an arm around me and said, I'm going to pray for you, and I believe God will use you. And so, But it came out of that experience of my own life. And by the way, you talked about the fact I'm Billy's brother-in-law, which is true. It's given me some great introductions. Once I was introduced as his father-in-law, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then, and you've gone on, Leighton, to, to have a finger on, on uh, world evangelism, really, through the Congress and, and through leadership. I, I mean, you've watched this whole world uh, change. I... I I, I, I want to ask you, uh, you know, how 
how things are different, but I, I realize that, that uh, you know, we're talking about a long span of time, and uh, I, I don't even know whether you can answer that question. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I just want to get a sense for maybe the American church today as compared to uh, the rest of the world. You have a sense of that, and what what do we need maybe to be sensitive to? What what do we need to hear here? Uh, can you address any of that? Well, it's a, it's an awfully big question, but it's I, I know the, it. I, the two greatest facts are about the spread of the global faith, and our faith is a global faith. It's not for one culture. It's not a Western faith. It's Jesus wasn't white. He wasn't African American. Mm-hmm. He was in between. He was for everyone. But the fastest growth of the church around the world is in our time. You take China, you take Korea, you take uh, Africa, south of the Sahara Desert, Desert, tremendous, tremendous growth of of the Christian Mm -hmm. faith around the world, mostly outside the West. At the Mm -hmm. same time, you have more people who are being persecuted and dying and martyred for their faith than ever before. More people in the last century than all history up till now have died for their faith. Recently, a friend of mine was in uh, Prague, and there was an Iranian pastor there, and a friend said to him, what do we as Christians in America need to know? He said, I want to say to you, please don't take lightly the faith for which we're dying. Wow. Please don't you take lightly the faith for which we're dying. So I hmm. think we have we've been able to send uh, uh, great, uh, many wonderful missionaries. We have many... Uh, organizations that serve, as you're saying, the poor around the world. It was my privilege for many years to serve on the Board of World Vision and to do exactly what you were talking about, helping people to uh, to be developed, you know, giving them the tools mm-hmm. to develop their own their own ideas and, and, uh, and well-being. And uh, we've been able to do all those things, but at this point, I think along with what we have, we have to... We have to listen. We have to be listening Christians, listening to the voices from other parts of the world, we have to be willing to listen to the critique of uh, our brothers and sisters from around the world who say, you know, we see a lot of materialism, a lot of selfishness, a lot of divisiveness in the American church, and um, and that bothers us. We need to listen. We need to listen to their advice as to how we can best reach out. We need to offer them the best we have without strings attached mm-hmm. to it. It's uh, But it's a different, it's a servant posture. We need to we need to have a strong confidence in the gospel uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that this gospel will be preached in all the world and disciples will be made in all the world. But we hold that with a humble confidence and a gentle spirit. So I would say we need to become more and more a listening church, a sharing church, and a partnering church. I um, I recently had an exchange with my friend Andrew White, who has uh, been for years been rector of St. George's Church in Baghdad. And this was when the, uh, you know, the uh, the ISIS was coming in, and the Christians were being forced mm-hmm. to, to leave Mosul. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, Andrew, what what do we as American Christians, North American Christians, most need, most need? He said, Don't forget, we're your brothers and sisters. Don't forget us. Mm-hmm. So I think we need that awareness, that global awareness. And you know, there's a tendency to in America today to pull in, uh, but for the cause of Christ, we need to go with the open hand. Mhm. Is that is that what you mean by partnering church Layton? Yes. I mean we uh, we have uh, we have a lot of good technology, know-how, experience, uh, organizational gifts, good amount of money that's been entrusted to us. 
But these mm-hmm. people, the ones that Billy Graham called the barefoot evangelists in many parts of the world, they're the ones that are in the front lines doing the work. So we need to offer mm-hmm. to work with them, not to do for them. And it's very easy for us to go from we've got a great a lot of great plans and ideas here and say, hey, we've got the way, we've got the answer. Well, I'm not so sure we we know a crisis are great the great question and the great answer, but uh, our know-how is not as important as a humble spirit of saying we want to stand with you, pray for you, help you, support you as the spirit leads you. Mm. That's fantastic. Well. You know, we're, we're watching, you know, of course, the end of an era with with Billy. And uh, it seems to me that, you know, it's it's going to be different now. I, it's, it's like, I, I don't, you know, for all of Billy's career, it was uh, certainly in America and maybe even around the world, uh, people would think Billy Graham, I mean, like one of the most popular people uh, alive. And when they think of evangelism, that's who that's who they think of. He's like he was like the events. I I don't see anybody in his shoes, and uh, and and is that is that because it's a different world now, and do we need a different uh, method, a different tactics uh, for evangelism today? I believe, uh, John, that God raises up people uh, from generation to generation. Uh, with different gifts, different ways of doing it. Um, there have been evangelists ever since the beginning. If we, under, You know, evangelist isn't some job. Evangelist means to tell the good news. And any way we do that, telling, sharing the good news, that's evangelism. Billy had the great, he had the great gift of communication, being able to speak with power and clarity and simplicity uh, to huge crowds of people. Uh, yeah. And there are evangelists who are doing that in many parts of the world today to, that we don't hear that much about, but they are there. Yes. Billy was asked, he, uh, he brought together several some years ago, he had a conference of thousands of, of people who wanted to share the gospel around the world. And someone said to him, who are your, who's going to take your place? He said, those 10,000 barefoot evangelists that you may mm-hmm. not know their name is okay. here, but their names are known in heaven. So I, uh, we were at we were at a conference on Billy Graham, an academic conference, about just a year ago. Right now, my wife Jeannie was there, and someone said to her, mm-hmm. um, at one of the sessions one evening during a Q and A session, said, "Do you think there'll be another Billy Graham?" She said, "No, my parents are both dead. Can't be another <laughs> Billy Graham." <laughs> so, but there, but there are there are people who follow in his steps, and we're as yeah. as you know, John, in my own ministry, we're trying to find those men and women who have uh, wonderful ways of sharing Christ, very creative ways of doing it, encouraging them, helping them, mentoring them. Uh, they may not do it exactly the way that Billy has done it yeah. or I've done it, but they're doing it the way yeah. that God has given to them. Uh, could we say that that we are we are the next Billy Grahams? Can, can we say that? You mean you, me? Yeah. No, you, you are you are the first you are the first Jura John Fisher. I'm the, I'm the first Leighton Ford. <laughs> I don't know. I have a I have a, one of the young guys I've mentored. <clears throat> I'll tell you tell you about him because about 25 30 years ago I thought you know my call now is to help the next generation to come along. One of them is, is a Japanese Canadian up in Vancouver. He wrote a great book by the way called God in My Everything. It's a plug for it. God in My Everything by Ken Shigematsu. 
Ken was called. I knew him when he was studying for the ministry and uh, went up to the church in Vancouver where he was called when he was 32. And it's it's a had been a large church flourishing and it had gone down, down, that was almost dying. It had 20-some pastors in 20-some years. And I remember we sat in the car outside this church and Ken said to me, Late and he said, I'm just, I'm just a young guy. This is a big challenge. This church, I don't know whether I can do this. And he, I said, I, he, he reminded me of this afterwards. I said, Ken, remember, God's an artist. God doesn't do copies. God does originals. Mm-hmm. And God, you're one of God's originals. So is Billy. So are you, John. So am I. And I said, God's going to show you the way to do in the great secular city of mm-hmm. Vancouver his work. Across the years, that church has been wonderfully uh, transformed. They've grown. They'll, they've had a handful of people. They have hundreds every Sunday. They have. It's very diverse in terms of age, race, ethnicity. There was a, a pimp in the park who said to a prostitute who was in trouble, go to Tenth Church. They can help you there. Can you imagine the pimps telling the prostitute where to go and hear the gospel? Uh, the first, uh, they, 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 they changed some of the music. And they brought in a, a music group, a band, the first Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there was an elderly lady who been in that church for years, and she came up to Ken afterwards, and she said, Pastor, if Jesus heard those drums, he'd turn over in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks Jesus is in his grave. <laughs> but uh, God, God doesn't do copies. He does originals. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who these his originals are. You know, um, I really enjoyed your website, and I enjoyed uh, reading just part of that uh, uh, 60-page piece you have on on the mentoring community. Um, What jumped out at me just in in, in just glancing, I didn't really read every word of it. I I didn't have the time, but I I, I want to now. But um, what jumped out at me was a kind of – well, it, it's it, it was a graciousness and a a kind of taking time, uh, a reflectiveness, a deepening, um, a walking and talking, and it was it was just it it it, it was arresting to me because uh, I I just know how busy our lives are, how busy we get, and um, gosh, when when does ever, anybody ever get a chance to do this? And and yet, and yet, you know, how important is that? You know, tell us a little bit about uh, how you how you mentor and uh, what 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 is that? What does that process look like? Well, it's a it's a lot of listening. It is, and it's and it's you know I told you about that arm around the shoulder when Billy when I was just a kid, and we were disappointed that night, mm-hmm. and he put his arm around my shoulder. Never forgotten that, and. As we began to see a whole new generation of men and women coming into leadership of the heart to make Christ known, I felt that was our calling. And I was—I do a lot of teaching of, of evangelism or leadership in our various programs we had. But then I began to take long walks and talks with these people, like the young guy, Ken, in Vancouver that I was just talking about, mm-hmm. listening to them, listening to their hearts, their hurts, their dreams, their discouragements and disappointments, and I realized I was doing a lot of spiritual mentoring. I guess some people call it spiritual direction, mm. saying maybe, yeah. is, is this what God's doing in your life? And uh, so that became a very important theme uh, of what we're doing. And I've discovered so many of these younger men and women 
are saying, what I want is an older person, older man, older woman, who will listen to me without having an agenda for me, helping me to find what God's agenda is for my life. So um, we do this sometimes one-on-one. People will come here to Charlotte, and we'll spend two or three days together. We do it in groups. But I think it's, a, it's life upon life, and I would encourage, I'd encourage you, John, and Gunner, mm-hmm. and whoever else, may, else listening who's a follower of the Lord, is there someone 10 years younger that you're doing this with, where they're listening to them, walking with them? Hmm. I, the other thing I think is, is important about um, one of the guys that is part of my mentoring, Lon Allison, is the head of the Billy Graham Center, Wheaton, asked a provocative mm-hmm. question a while ago. He said, what do you think the number one value is of Christian leaders in America? As a group of us, we sat there and thought a minute, and I said, well, what would you say it is? He said, I'd say it's frenzied busyness. <laughs> because he said, when we get together at conferences and meetings, we all talk about how busy we are. And if that's what we talk about all the time, that must be our number one value. And I think, and uh, to quote one of my heroes, Henry Nowen, our number one business is not to keep people busy for the Lord. It's to keep us from being so busy that we can't listen for the voice of God. Hmm. And uh, and I, and that's one reason. Now, this is this is. I'm speaking very personally here because I've got hmm. my my daughter Debbie says Dad's not a workaholic. He's a thinkaholic. My mind is going all the time thinking, hmm. thinking. <laughs> and uh, I think of you know the Moses by the burning bush when he was going through the desert on ordinary day. He wasn't any great leader. Just you know herding his father-in-law's sheep. And he sees that burning bush and it says when he turned aside. To see, God called him Moses. When he turned it, when he paid attention. Hmm. So I uh, I wrote a book on this called The Attentive Life. The Attentive Life. <laughs> One of my pastor friends had a copy on his desk. Someone looked at it, got the title wrong, said The Attentive Wife. Where do you get one of those? So it, <laughs> but it's about the attentive life because I think that that attentiveness, learning to pay attention to God, is one of the most important things. Um, Matthew 6.33 in the Message Translation says, Give your full attention to what God is doing right now. Give your full Mm -hmm. attention to what God is doing right now. So learning to stop Mm -hmm. in the midst of the busyness. uh, John Ortberg tells the story. He's a pastor in California that he felt his spiritual life was going down the drain. He called a friend of his, Dallas Willard, and asked for advice. He said, What do I do to keep my spiritual life from going down the drain? And Dallas Willard said to him, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And John Osberg said, oh, that's great. Wrote it down. Now he said, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Dallas Willard said, there ain't nothing else. So I think my my need is to slow down enough that I can really pay attention to what God is doing. Even this Tuesday night while you and I are talking, I mean, God's listening. God's speaking right now to, to you, to me, the people who are listening. But to pay attention to what God is doing right now, that's, it's an ancient spiritual discipline. Simone Veil, that wonderful French woman, said uh, prayer is attention. Prayer is attention, paying attention uh, to God. Wow. I like that. That's great. Um, you know, I, I, I've been reading a really interesting book lately on, on evangelism, and this, this guy kind of turn some things uh, uh, upside down a little bit, and he makes a statement that is really arresting to me. He said, "He said what we need to do, be doing now, is he, 
evangelizing, what we really need to be doing is evangelizing Christians and discipling non-Christians. <laughs> now, it sounds bizarre, but you know what he meant was there's so many Christians who are trying to work so hard to be Christians, they forgot about the Holy Spirit. They need to be evangelized. They need to be set free. You know, they, they, they forgot about that. And and then non-Christians, so many are are seeking that we can disciple them. We can, I mean, we can walk with them. You know, when Jesus said, um, uh, you know, go and make, he didn't say go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. Mm. And it, do you think that could mean that, 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 that we walk and talk with people who aren't even Christians yet? And, and that through that process, we find out what God is saying to us. Is, what do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. You know, the uh, when it says go, therefore, make disciples, a good translation of that is as you go, make disciples. Mm-hmm. As we go through the normal daily traffic patterns of life. Mm-hmm. And I I really do think that as we listen to our friends who are pre-Christians, as I would say, or they're <laughs> seeking or maybe not, don't even know about it, as we do that, we ourselves, um, the gospel becomes fresh and real and new to us because we can you know we can start out with uh, the free grace of god and then we get so busy we just get bound up in our busyness we have to do this have to do this so i think as we listen to others we find that god oftentimes is at work in their lives before we ever got there you know you talked about a book on evangelism a very good book on evangelism is called the acts of the apostles <laughs> it's in the bible <laughs> and it's a, and it's interesting how often, uh, for example, when when Saul, before he was the Apostle Paul, uh, was met by Christ, uh, God sent a guy named Ananias to see him. Before Ananias ever got to Paul, God was at work in his life. Or Philip was one of the early disciples. God told him to go down to the desert, said there's someone there who's seeking. And he went down and found there was a chariot and the treasure of Ethiopia was there reading the the, uh, the book of Isaiah. And but God was there before Philip ever mm. got there. And mm. This this general, this Roman uh, general named Cornelius, God was speaking to him before Peter ever got there. God's a, God's ahead of us in this in this work of evangelism, and uh, sometimes He just wants us to connect and maybe to listen and tell our own story and tell our own failures. I mean, it's we're not perfect people, mm. are we? We've got I do our own problems and sins and coming short people need to know we we're we're still living by grace day by day yeah yeah i am let let me tell you just this little story my my granddaughter here in charlotte uh the friend guy here in town uh they were a boyfriend girlfriend for a number of months and then they decided they'd just be friends and uh i had a lunch with him recently and he said you know through meeting your granddaughter he said, I realize the emptiness there was in my life. And he said, all I want to talk now is about Jesus Christ. This guy is working until 4 o'clock in the morning as a young investment banker, making scads of money, huge six-room house by all by himself. But their mm. friendship was the, what God used as a bridge to come into his life. Hmm. Hmm. That's fantastic. By the way, he wants to move to California now. So if you know some openings out there for him, he'd be glad to... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I want. Yeah, yeah, he'll come out there, and then you can you can help disciple him too, John. We'll sure. talk about that later. 
Sure, that would be great. But I, I love that picture of of just walking and talking and uh, being open to people and befriending people. Um, it, it's just, it's like my my friend Ron Ritchie up at, up in the Bay Area. He calls it just saying hello. You know, that's where you start. It's just, you know, you Absolutely. say hello, how are you, and suddenly we're in conversation and. And and if you're attent like you say, attentive to that person, then that that conversation is going to go deeper than just you know just how's the what how's the weather. One uh, years ago, a uh, um, guy I knew, friend not a close friend, said that when when uh, we're talking to someone else and uh, about the Lord, someone who's maybe just a seeker yet, said, as you listen, it's like if you run your finger inside the uh, the rim of a glass or a cup, you may come to a cracked place. And as we listen to others, sometimes you'll almost do like that till you find a cracked place in their soul where they're, uh, they're, they're looking. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, you mentioned Sandy earlier and I, I know Leighton that that was probably it seems to me like perhaps the single most devastating thing in your life was uh was was losing Sandy. I know how that threw you into a I I think probably a depression for a while, didn't it? And uh uh looking back on that, well, all that great pain, you know, what what has time and God taught you? And I, I'm sure you miss him every day. Uh, am I right? You still I, you I miss do. him every day? I do. We have three wonderful children. Our daughter, Debbie, who lives here, not uh, far from us. Mm-hmm. Sandy, our, was our oldest son, was two years younger. And then Kevin, who is our youngest, who, yeah. by the way, has just been in Portland, just left Portland today. So, uh, huh. Gunner, you may have seen him at the airport. I don't know. Uh, but we had those three wonderful children. Sandy was our middle one. He was he was a perfectionist. Uh, he, uh, I used to say he had no yellow light. It was all green or red. And uh, he was uh, hard on himself and his studies, and a dedicated athlete. And when he was 14, he had heart surgery for an, an arrhythmia problem of the heart. And it was like he had been, a, up until then, he'd been a good boy. He was becoming a grace-filled man after that. Um, that heart problem came back when he was 21. He was a junior at the University of North Carolina. He was an athlete, a runner, and he was out just doing a jog one night, and his heart started beating 300-plus beats a minute. Hmm. And they uh, took him back in to do the surgery again to try to interrupt that electrical pathway, which was a problem. It was the day after Thanksgiving. And uh, I remember the night before walking on the baseball field up there at the University of North Carolina and just praying, saying, God, be good to my boy. Heal Hmm. him, please, tomorrow. I'm I'm his father. I'd heal him if I could, but please Hmm. heal him. Hmm. And they had 12 long hours of surgery the next day. I, I, I took him to the edge of the operating room in the morning and said, see you later, pal. And 12 hours later, they said, we solved the problem, but we couldn't get his heart to start to start again. We couldn't get him off the table. So he was gone, just like that, mm-hmm. so full of life and love and wow. vision and vitality. We were very much alike. He was a junior, Leighton Ford, uh, uh, Sandy Ford, Jr., mm-hmm. and uh Equally precious were Kevin and, and Deb, but that left a huge, huge aching place. Hmm. I remember on the way back that night from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Charlotte, deep into the night, coming back with 
numb, broken hearts. But Jeannie looked over at me and she said, well, either there is a God and he's good or there is no God. It's just as stark as that. Mm. And uh, so we mm. had to face that, this beautiful young mm. man, so quickly gone. I found in his, uh, and you say, what came out of that? Uh, well, a lot of pain came out of that, uh, mm-hmm. John, and it's it's still there. You don't you don't ever get over losing a child. You don't ever expect to be looking for a place to bury your child, and that's very real and still is, though it gets better as time goes on. But I... Um, Sandy was writing a poem for me for my 50th birthday, which was right around that time. He never he never finished it. I found it in a journal in his room at the university after he died when I went to get his belongings. And he talked about a cup that will be filled. And then he said, I, I pray that your mantle will fall on me. As remind, remembering how Elijah's mantle fell on, fell on his young prophet, a friend Elisha. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends said, Leighton, your mantle did not fall on Sandy, but his mantle fell on you. Because God used that loss, uh, deep as it was, to help Jeannie and me to say, we want to help other, have other spiritual sons and daughters. We want to find other young men and women, help them run their race for Christ. Which mm-hmm. is what led us into this new phase of our ministry. So wow. Sandy's, you know, Jesus said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it's alone. If it, if it falls in the ground and dies, it multiplies. And I and the loss of Sandy is, is huge and deep. But out of that have come thousands and thousands of other lives through the, the scholarships that we had, through the mentoring that we're doing. Hmm. So that, as much as we miss them, God used that in a powerful way. And I don't say that easily because it, it was very painful, hmm. very difficult. But uh, Right after he died, I had to go to Australia and speak, and I didn't want to leave. But halfway across the Pacific, it was very clear God was saying, your next calling is to help find, develop, mentor, bring together those younger men and women that uh, are seeking to run for Christ. Wow. Fantastic. Well, Aiden, gosh, of of all the things you've done in your life, what's, what's been the most fulfilling? Marrying Jeannie, hmm. I that we just had our 60th anniversary, having three wonderful children. I would say that's uh, that God has given to us, and they are each of them special, gifted. That's on the personal side. On the ministry side, uh, I think I've sensed across the years that God's given me two gifts of communication and connecting. So to be able to communicate Christ um, simply, clearly, effectively, whether it's mm. the written word, the spoken yeah. word, or now through painting or poetry. And uh, and then to bring Christians together, which I've had the privilege of doing through the Lausanne movement for world evangelism. Uh, because Jesus said, I pray that you may be one that the world may believe. We forget often that Jesus that was Jesus' prayer. I pray that you who follow me may be one so that the world may believe. So that's been a privilege to, to do that too. Wow. Oh, this has been rich. And uh, I, all I can say is, will you will you uh, be on with us again sometime? Sure. And, I'd, be, uh, I'd and, be glad to do that. If you let me sing and, more. Uh, <laughs> or you can sing to you me. Know, you know, I was thinking what might be really great is that actually we could have you on and we'll turn it into like a almost like a, a class and we'll have some questions and we'll do – 
to we'll just talk about evangelism because that's that's really what you know what we're all about. We're about the gospel of welcome here, and and uh, we want to help people be welcoming in in with their lives. And uh, exactly. I really think you could help us do that. Well, I, I, I'll do that, but I'd like to take it a step further and say, how about me telling you about three or four or five of these young younger men and women that are doing it? And uh, yeah. and get them okay. on. They're articulate. They would have some fresh ways of telling you how they're how they're uh, making Christ known. So uh, maybe we can Fantastic. have some of the, them as guests. Okay, we'll maybe. follow. I will follow up with you on that. That's a great idea. They'd be. They could do it better than I can. <laughs> they're really well. They can. They're wonderful. They're very gifted. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Um, but this has been real special for me. And uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time to be on with us today. And I hope uh, many, many people will will be uh, encouraged and uh, and touched by our time together. Well, I hope so too, John. I'm I'm really glad you're doing this. I appreciate the the idea of the catch. It is catching mm-hmm. and the welcome. Uh, can I leave two things with you? The first is one of my favorite poets is one of our great American poets, Mary Oliver. And Mary Oliver uh, has three little lines on one of her poems that she calls Instructions for Living a Life. And it's three lines. Pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it. Pay, att- <laughs> pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it. So often I go through a day and I say, I haven't paid attention. I have been astonished. I don't have anything to tell about. So pay attention to just the, the world of nature, the world of people, your own heart. Mm-hmm. Pay attention, mm-hmm. be astonished, and tell about it. I love that. I love that. And that was, was there another one? Or was that the one? Matthew 6:33 <laughs> in the in the message. Give your full attention to what God is doing right now. Okay, okay. Matthew? 6.33 in the message. Eugene Peterson's okay, wonderful paraphrase. Okay, okay. Full attention. Doing right now. I love that. Great. Well, Leighton, fantastic. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it, John. Yep. yep. Hey, Gunner. Yeah, we gotta... Hey, okay. thank you. Okay. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, Leighton. Thank okay. you so much. Bye-bye now. Whew. Wow. That was uh, special, I think, huh? You know, I'll tell you, it's like it's like reading a book and like wanting to highlight every word. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was uh that was rich. It was really good. I can't wait to uh to hear it again. What's it all went by too fast. John, what stood out to you? You know your initial response here to it. Uh, what you know, what's uh, resonating with you? You know, I, I can't I can't even pull out one single thing except I do love that last because each one of those things are things I've used. I mean, I mean, I I talk a lot of. I'm so excited about that. It was so confirming. That pay attention and be astonished. That's one of my favorite words for grace. And yeah. then then tell about it. Oh, I I yeah. love that. But but it, apart from from any particular thing, I think it was just his heart. Yeah. Just, uh, and, I, and I haven't been around him a lot of time, and I, I think I forgot that. I, I just forgot what a genuine, sincere heart he has. 
And um, and I think, you know, if you saw him, I just, I, I wish we could all see him in a room full of non-Christians. It's unbelievable. He's yeah. just so gracious and, yeah. and and reaches, he cares so much. And I, I love what he said about, you know, um, you answered those people so well. And he says, well, because they were my own questions. Yeah. I, oh. I had all those questions. I was a philosophy major. I, I didn't have answers. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, so, you know, it's like uh, we try we try so hard, John, to try to relate, you know, and it's like, just be you. And, and uh, he just, it seems yeah. so approachable and the antidotes and, and just, like I said, I just want to get a highlighter and just highlight the entire time of the conversation and just go back. And there were so many things I wanted to kind of just, oh, man, say that again, say that again. I can't, I can't take <laughs> notes fast enough, you know, but um, yeah. what a, what a beautiful, beautiful uh, time this has been i just i yeah. i feel, you said it right at the end you said what a rich time you feel rich because of it and so do i yeah great well gunner we uh well we're going to keep this thing going aren't we we're going to keep yes. this blog talk going yep and uh and we'll keep everybody informed on on who our up-and-coming guests are we're going to yep. get a whole new round of them coming soon so we'll let you know Working on that and, now. Uh, yep, yep, we are. So, uh, just want to thank everybody for uh, listening in, and uh, and hope you'll stay with us. Uh, you you have any closing closing words you want to land? The, what is it? Land the plane? Land yeah. the plane. Well, I'll say things. I'll say this uh, as we land the plane, John. Congratulations on a thousand catch posts, and uh, <laughs> staying at it every day. That. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Congratulations. And if you're listening to this podcast, this blog talk radio, and you haven't had a chance to, to read the catch, go sign up for it. Get it in your email box uh, five days a week, catchjohnfisher.wordpress.com, and you will uh, be all the more richer for it. So, John, congratulations on that. Congratulations to the Angels and yeah. and, and, uh, and my Cardinals are in first place. And with that, John, I'm looking forward to the next Blog Talk Radio, The Catch. We'll see you on the other side. Fantastic. Thank you, Gunnar. Looking forward to it. Beautiful. You know what? You yeah. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. The world is trying to get it together. Yeah. Trying to help their fellow and we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Yeah.